What's up, everybody? Welcome to Building Our Power. This is Gabby. And KT. And we're back with another episode. Uh, We weren't here last week. It was my birthday week. We are back. Party. We're back uh, with the vengeance. You can hit us up at Building RPWR on our social media platforms. If you'd like to contribute to the work we are doing in Memphis... I just got a big case of water. We're about to start passing that out with pamphlets and stuff around uh, downtown. Uh, if you would like to contribute to whatever we're doing, whether it's the community fridge, whether it's the garden we got going on, whether it's the pamphlets, anything. If you want to come in person, you can do so. Link is in that description. Okay, guys, today uh, we wanted to talk about uh, gay stuff um, because it is the month of the gays. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's our time to shine. It's our time to partake. Which is why we've been kind of slacking. Right. Um, so, uh, actually, me and KT, we went to the Museum of Science and History in Memphis, Tennessee. And they had a gay exhibit about the gay rights movement. Uh, the history, The history apparently. of gay rights. And all that types of things. Um, Would you like to tell people a little bit about what you saw and what you learned? Yeah, so basically, um, they start off with Stonewall riots. As we know, gay history did not start there, but that's where they started. And then they went forward. Um, They also talked a little bit about grassroots movements in Memphis, but it was basically just a... Uh, this is who started it, and that was it. Um, they also talked a little bit about how lesbians came together and helped during the AIDS crisis, and then they also created their own little feminist side of the movement and things like that. Um, but overall, like, I really did not learn much. Uh I mostly learned or was reinforced, I, I basically was being reinforced with the idea of, gay liberation as a a liberal means you know it wasn't really like a radical type of museum or whatever okay well well, they wouldn't even call it gay liberation it was more it was gay rights yeah i mean that's yeah yeah that's what it was gay rights yeah so um well i mean we if you don't know we're in memphis Tennessee. it was big that you know there was a gay exhibit in a quote-unquote children's museum i'm sure people protested um, but yes, it was, it was lacking, and I don't know what I expected it to be. Um, they did have a couple blurbs here and there of the grassroots organizations. Mm-hmm. They had some of the artifacts of the, the magazines and some stuff like that. Marshall P. Johnson had one little thing, one and little was, panel on thing. It was behind, like, something, too, where you had, you, if you didn't know to go over there, then you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have known. Uh, what else? Oh, they had a section about uh, LGBTQ plus people in Memphis in our history. They had the very first black trans woman in Tennessee. Well, I think I think period uh, in Memphis who uh, spoke out against the Memphis riots in eighteen hundred and something. She was a freed uh, black person. That's when slavery was still around. Um, so that's history, and then it was a whole bunch of white people, and then a black trans woman died, and, um, that's our history of, uh, in Memphis. Um, I noticed, I noticed, too, like, they had these videos up, 
And a lot, like both of the videos, it was only white people that were in it. One of them was kind of like celebrity queer people. And then the other one was rich white queers from Memphis specifically. Um, I noticed that they definitely focused heavily on media gaze and representation as opposed to actual physical change being made for queer people. And so, like Gabby said, I don't really I didn't really expect much considering this is Memphis, Tennessee, but I did at least expect like them to do it justice, at least a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um something but, uh, it was just it was just sad. It was just sad. Yeah. Something I did talk about and something that we're going to get into uh, eventually is there were a lot of gay organizations back in the day, like 70s 80s, 90s, um, there was a whole bunch of gay organizations, a lot of gay clubs and stuff in the area, a lot of uh, black gay organizations and stuff like that, and now there is absolutely nothing. We have Out Memphis, a nonprofit, and uh, run by white people, then we have the the Tri-State Black Pride, it's a nonprofit, like everything is, there's no more grassroots stuff anymore. And so I was thinking... I'm like, what the hell happened? Okay, Memphis, Tennessee, this conservative place, and we're technically going back. We're, we're, we're reverting from progressiveness. Uh, so we wanted to see, like, what has happened. Because just in a gay history period, there was a, a time where it was just super radical and folks was out here trying to challenge the state, challenge capitalism, right. and now we're here. I want to kind of go back to what you, something that was interesting um, to me and to you and what we heavily noticed in the museum. This is back on the museum a little bit. Um, Memphis is a majority black city. Mm-hmm. And the entire museum was literally, it was probably, I would say like 95%, 97% white. Yeah. Everything, every person they talked about was white. Yeah. Yep. Even when they were talking about the orgs, and I say, yeah, they there was black orgs and stuff like that, there still was, it was mainly white people. It was mainly white people on the billboards, white people in the pictures, white uh, stuff on the, the pamphlets and stuff like that. And, uh, okay, you could say that, okay, maybe black people weren't able to live out, but black people were there. Like, you didn't take your time to even investigate and talk to no black people and find the underground shit. You talking about stuff that was already mainstream, people already saw. Like, I don't don't know. And then there was also the, um, there were, oh, there was these cringy things, and I think I took some pictures of them. Where, like, you would, it was a, a, what kind of, like, cardstock paper in rainbow. And then there was a little sign beside it that said, tell us about, choose choose red paper and tell us about your first love. The second one, when did you come out in yellow? And, And then there was this camera, which was also extremely weird, cringy, and also reminded me of state surveillance, where they wanted you to talk into the camera and tell your story about coming out. Well, they didn't tell you where it was going to go. They I was just tell like, you. what? Like, this is just so, cr- it was just so cringy because 
Had this been heterosexuals, do you really honestly think they would have had some rainbow cardstock out so that you could write, Who was your first love? I mean, even if they did, that's not the point. The, the, it's just weird. The whole point is the whole plot has been missed. Literally. And that's what we're about to talk about. Because the, the movement has been so diluted. It's just right on a piece of paper who you had a crush on. Right on a piece of paper who uh, you had sex with. Talk to right on a piece of paper who kicked you out the house. And it's like, what is this? Is not this is a pride now is about all about individualism. Yes. It's all about my self expression. It's all about. I look at me. We're having fun. We're partying. We're buying things. We're going on trips, queer trips, queer parades, queer uh, vacations, queer luxury, queer in the workplace. They just add the word queer to literally anything and then call it pride. Literally. Or add the word pride to anything and call it pride. Pride history, aka just white people existing. They even had something else that was really cringy. The way they did it is like they even had this uh this white man's jacket. He was just some random white man who ended up driving up somewhere so that he could go get married. They had his jacket from that because he got married. Girl, I was like, what? No, y'all are weird. Y'all are weird. No, but it, it's it's when you have no direction, and if you're just in this this realm of neoliberalism, it's like, what is the point? What is the goal? There is no goal. The goal is just to fall in line with capitalism. So we have to make something. We have to make a narrative, and put all these things together without uh, addressing the number one issue, which is we live in a cis hetero patriarchal capitalist homophobic ass society that needs to be destroyed. No, we're just going to talk about vibes. We're going to talk about aesthetic. We're going to talk about fun. We're going to talk about drag. We're going to talk about the balls. We're going to talk about all this stuff. And there's nothing. It's like, okay, we're just existing. Now what? And, yeah. So, we're going to talk about that one more thing. One more thing that is very, very interesting. Type in rainbow capitalism on Google. And all the mainstream media outlets have a story on rainbow capitalism. And how, ooh, rainbow capitalism, it's bad. The gays are coming out and saying they don't like rainbow capitalism anymore. Why are the corporations now getting onto this and talking about this now? Is, is, is now the, the, the speaking out against rainbow capitalism now becoming a tool of capitalism? <laughs> like, I feel like this is really... We got We got to regroup. We have so we got to regroup. We got to regroup. Okay, so let's go into a little bit of queer history, real fast. The thing about it, when you start studying any minority groups, any anything that you think, oh, progressiveness, America literally makes no sense. If because there are periods of progressiveness, extreme progressiveness, and then back to. Uh, regressiveness, back to uh, oppressing and going harder on oppressing those groups. And then it may be, then it has like 10 years of, uh, oh, uh, progress, oh, representation, this, that, and third. And then the next 10 years is just going right back. And that's kind of what we're in right now. Uh, So, like, back in the day, okay, the 1920s, that was the Roaring Twenties. That's Prohibition era. That's when everybody was like, ooh, woo, woo, woo. Everything was, you know, risque. Let's go to this. Let's go to the drag show. Let's go to all this stuff. The Harlem Renaissance. It was queers everywhere in New York. 
that was like their playground. They were able to live free. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, in quotation marks. There still was oppression. There still was police brutality. There still were laws on the books. But the police weren't really enforcing those laws. Um, 1930s come. All of a sudden, oh, the gays. The gays are the problem. We have to go back to the traditional ways the gays are trying to infiltrate and trying to destroy America because what the, what happened in the 1930s? The Great Depression. So they needed to have a group to scapegoat along with the blacks yeah. and say it was their it was their fault. And and they, look at them. Don't look at the government and how we caused this. Look at them. And we can see like it's literally every 10 to 20 years. It's always when we have an economic collapse. That's when it's like, let's ramp up the homophobia again. And that's exactly what's happening now. So, okay, let's go to the the 60s. Okay, we know Stonewall happened. And it was a, a, a time and period of, you know, gay rights. Like, everybody was in the streets. Folks were fighting for the right. This is this is where the right, the gay pride movement started. Gay All that stuff. Gay, well, it wasn't called that first. The gay pride movement. It then started to develop into gay liberation, which, ooh, what's that? Gay liberation. These people were saying, what are we fighting for? This isn't just about our individual rights. Mm -hmm. This entire system, we cannot be free as long as this system stays the way it is. We cannot negotiate in here with these people. We cannot assimilate into these systems. It must be fought. Very leftist, a lot of communists in there, a lot of anarchists. Anti-capitalists. A lot of anti-capitalists. They were fighting racism. They literally came together. Some groups did with the Black Panther Party. Yeah, it, it... It was, and there was like a quadrillion of these radical groups. Yeah. But what also started to happen was um, when the smoke cleared and the people were left, there were a lot of people who didn't like the way that it was going. They felt people were too radical. They're doing too much. You're getting caught in too many movements and stuff like this. We just need to be stuck on the gays. Mm -hmm. And that's when the Gay Activist Alliance started. And they were like, we're just going to be one issue group. We're not, we're not political. We're just going to be centrist. And that started to become the, the, the dominating voice of the gay rights movement because majority of these people had money. They were upper middle class white men. And they had the tools and the resources to keep these organizations afloat and uh and get their message out there. You skip. You skipped the part. Okay, so Gabby skipped talking about uh, the Gay Liberation Front is what they were called in the 1970s. They were. It was like late uh, 1960s, early 1970s, um, where basically, like we were talking about, like we got to name them. Basically, they were definitely anti-capitalist, anti-racism, anti-like literally all of that. They were trying to have liberation from this capitalist system. And then came a split. Right, the GAA. That's where the GEA came. GAA came. And so, like I said, that's that's what started to be the dominating thing. Because a lot of these, these organizations started to split. Because think about even the George Floyd protest, guys. Let's think about that. 
Think about how many people were on the streets and now that smoke cleared, how many people still in the fight? Yeah. Because you get people, riots are very good at galvanizing a huge group of people. But if you do not get those people in right then and start, you know, educating them on what this is really about and we just going off vibes, it gets thrown off really quickly. Yep. So that's pretty much what happened. And so you had a lot of uh, upper middle class people in there. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is just about me being able to get a job. This is just about me not being discriminated against. I'm for this. And when they started saying, wait, y'all helping the blacks? Wait, y'all doing stuff with the poor people? Wait, y'all doing stuff with the trans people? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't come for this. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't want to do this. And so that's just what happened. That that was the neoliberal view. We know there's uh, a gadrillion organizations and government uh, entities that go against anything that's anti-capitalist and communist. So I'm sure there was some type of infiltration going on as well. Like the FBI, CIA, yeah. and stuff like that infiltrating those. I did also uh, hear a thing one time. I don't know. I can't remember where it was from. If I can find it, then I'll post it in the in the section below. But... Um, somebody had said that gays are the new communists, and they were just basically talking about how queer people in the early 70s, late 1960s, uh, were really trying to, were actually trying, and pretty much were, making a physical difference. But then all of a sudden, like Abby said, here come the neoliberals, and they end up co-opting it, the grassroots movement. And that's something that we literally see, just like Gabby said, within George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, literally any grassroots movement that comes along, it will literally always be co-opted by neoliberals or by capitalists. Um, even there was a magazine called The Advocate that we read about that was a, a prominently queer anti-capitalist magazine. Um, it ended up becoming uh, or being bought out by a capitalist by a banking firm guy basically um and and now it's the advocate now it's the advocate now it's a a huge gigantic magazine with straight people and and queer people and capitalists exactly and so that's something we really need to focus on i feel like is like when we do talk about gay liberation when we talk about being queer and things like that we have to remember that being queer also means that you must fight for other other marginalized groups, other oppressed groups' liberation as well. We are not just here um, for individual uh, types of situations. No, this is a long-term mass movement that has to come together and has to mobilize people. Yeah, I think people have gotten complacent, and, and that's kind of what we're going to. Like, with the neoliberals taking over, with them having the money influences to influence the media to, to be in charge and the voice of, of the people of the gays, they were able to make it seem like the only thing gays wanted to be was accepted in the workplace. They want to work in corporate America. They're not going to try to hit on you. All they want to do is get married and have the nuclear family model the way that they can have it. Right, what was that? And that's uh, when uh, the... I'm, I'm going off tangent, but what was that tweet that you saw? I was about to go to that. Oh, you were going to that. But okay. before I went to that, I was going to say that that was the main thing. And mm-hmm. actually, one of the lady who actually got 
uh, marriage equality, who actually was a Supreme Court case that got marriage equality passed for everybody in America. She was this super rich-ass lesbian lady hmm. who literally, that was her whole goal. Her goal was she was rich. She needed, she wanted to uh, get the rights over the state taxes. She wanted to be able to, I mean, that's okay. Be able to get the, the taxes of their, her partner after her partner died and stuff like that. And, I mean, people are able to get married if that's what you want to do. whoop to do But, literally, she had all that money and influence, and that's the only thing she fought for. Her own individual want to, to get her little taxes and stuff and, and to get married. And and that's 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 the story. And now we don't have to fight for nothing ever again. Uh, <laughs> but you would notice how they make it into like a... Oh, you got gay rights, and now all of a sudden you can get married. You're like the rest of us. But really, that's not what she was fighting for. She literally was not fighting for actual marriage. She was she was fighting for taxes and for money, essentially, for having the right to have money. After but even her then, I mean, if we go back to what we talked about with the nuclear family, yeah. that is the point as well. Correct. Now you see, there's uh. A lot of people with money, a lot of people that have those resources are able to have children, adopt them, either through IVF, have their own kids, and they too are able to play into this this uh, corporates uh, corporations and the capitalism capitalism where we talked about these nuclear family models are great for capitalism, yeah, because they keep you tied to companies because you gotta feed your children. You got to make sure you have a roof over your head with your spouse. And so it's actually great. It's good that we have these models of families now because now y'all ain't just running around going from job to job and skipping around and going from state to state no more. Now we have a dedicated workforce of uh, not only professionals but working class people that now have more bills and more responsibilities. So that's one part of it. But, yes, let's go back to this tweet that uh, I saw yesterday. And that really, like, spurred this whole conversation. It spurred this whole thing because there's, there was some, there's something about seeing people, and it's always white people, mm-hmm. that retweet this stuff about, oh, they're coming for the, they're coming for the LGBTQ community. <laughs> they're coming for us. They're coming for our rights. They're going to take away our rights. They say that we don't belong here. They're coming for us. It's about to be the Holocaust. Like, first of all, y'all don't read history. And then you don't even know what's going on in America. Apparently. All this stuff is, 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 is it's literally not, it's never ceased to be happening. Literally. So, something that I saw was a, a tweet about the Air Force that had these folks running. And somebody had the, uh, the gay flag behind them. And they were talking about pride in all who serve. Yes, gay people in the Air Force. So somebody, quote, retweeted it, Conceptual James, and said, Carrying the flag of a hostile enemy in the military. Shame. Okay? (laughs) And so this guy, Purple, C-H-R-A-I-N, said, The right is now openly describing the pride flag as, quote, The flag of a hostile enemy to the United States. Just in case you're tracking escalating rhetoric that positions LGBT people as traitors to society. Oh my god, they're they're insufferable. 
white rich queers are insufferable. Y'all sick. Y'all got my nerves. Y'all don't even uh, have a place in the movement. Like, literally go sit down or give me your money or something. Like, they literally have nothing to worry about in their entire lives that someone's calling them the public enemy. <gasps> Clutching pearls. How could you? Why? First of all, too, it's, it's so oh much to unpack. Why would you want the Air Force... To be flying the, the gay flag, first of, all. first of all. <laughs> okay, maybe you're not a maybe you're not an anti-capitalist uh, or whatever, or a communist, whatever. Secondly, that guy was right. That guy was one hundred percent right. The one who said that that is that is against uh, what do you say? A ho- it was hostile enemy in the middle. That we are a hostile enemy to this capitalist system. We've always been that way. Always. We've been a controlled hostile enemy for some point. But we go against everything that keeps this thing running. That's why they crack down on us every time something uh something happens. They need a scapegoat. They point to us because we go against the quote-unquote family values. Those values that help keep this capitalist train running. Why would you want to be a part of this American system? Why would you want America to say you are accepted? Why would you want that? That means that you are complicit and you are a part of and have assimilated into this white supremacist, cis heteropatriarchal society. Yep. And, who knows, you may just be a part of the exploiters who are exploiting people below because a lot of these rich, or these rich white queer people are just that. They're rich. Yeah. And they have money. Their parents had money. So now they have wonderful jobs where they're bosses and they get to exploit other people. So so what is it really about? It's about, wait, no. I am a white cis male. I should literally be able to be a capitalist like every single other one of y'all. Yep. I should be able to be an explorer just like everybody else. How dare you say I'm not a part of this system? Yep. How dare you say because I love a man, I cannot also exploit? Yep. That's really what this is all about. That's really what this whole thing has culminated to now in 2022. A lot of people are not upset about the entire structure that is oppressing us. A lot of people, a lot of liberals are more so uh, upset that they themselves are not able to play the game no more. Because they're the scapegoat. And... I think it's very important to be able to peep those types of people because when things get good again, they will, just like the people back in the day, be gone. You're not even going to hear them talk about this stuff no more, which I hadn't heard them talk about it till now. Because their lives are good. They're able to play the game again. They got good paying jobs. They got the two kids. It, and it, life is good. These are literally the gay people you don't even know that are gay. Like, honestly, like, they've assimilated so far into capitalists, into uh, these systems that the only way you'd know they were gay is if they told you they had a husband. And so, yeah. um, a lot of these people, too, I feel like, 
they've lived their lives so much underneath assimilation. They completely, they've lost the plot. There's, there yeah. was no plot for them to begin with. There was no plot. Yeah. There was no plot because they had all been torn down by that time. They also, like, are oftentimes the only people, the only time they really talk about Pride and Stonewall and things like that, it, you'll notice is, like, during Pride Month, um, every other time, they literally will not say anything about being gay. Ever. Not even that. They're, they'll they'll be pro Stonewall, but then they'll say violence ain't the answer. Yeah, that's something else that don't make no sense. It just you can't. We just have to realize that there's no possible way for you within capitalism to to exist as a queer person. There's no way. And so while you are over here trying your best to assimilate into this culture. Um, good luck, because guess what? You're still going to be rejected at the end of the day. But check this out. Check this out. This is what I'm seeing now, because that's something else we want to talk about. You know, the exclusion of trans people throughout this whole thing until recently. Yeah. The T has been there forever. Until recently. Now the T is apart, and we're starting to, the, the queer community, the LGBTQ plus community is starting to accept trans people. But back in the day... There was a real effort to make sure trans people and gender non-conforming people were not the face of the movement, were not even allowed to talk. We know that famous speech with Sylvia Rivera where they didn't want her to talk at Pride because what they have an image to uphold. Yep. The image to uphold is we're just like you. We can assimilate into this country. We're 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 just like you. We just love different people. Yeah. But I can dress like you. I can act like you. I can go to the same church. I can do all these things. But the transgender people, they make us look bad because they don't fit into that. It's sick. It's sick all the way around. Because that makes no sense. It makes sense if, if, if your goal is to assimilate. You're, it makes sense if you're a white supremacist, too. So Yeah. yeah. And if you're literally one step from being the, 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 the standard. Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes perfect sense. So, yeah. The plot has definitely been lost um, because poor people have, have been left. Poor people, poor gay people, poor trans people have been left in the dust. They outside here in the sun. Black people, we, we don't even be on the, the stuff. We, we just started to be on the the, little, uh, the billboards and stuff. We, we don't exist. The only people they talk about is Marsha P. Johnson, and they didn't even care about her when she was alive. So, and then, what's her name? Who's and Sylvia Rivera. That, no, they don't even talk about Sylvia Rivera. I'm talking about uh, more recently. What's her name? Um, Laverne Cox. Yes. Yeah, because she's, she's those, rich. Those are literally the only two people they ever talk about. Because, yeah. But but that's the thing. The movement now is not about it's not about working class people. It's not about the people anymore. It's not about community anymore. Because, as you see on Twitter, there's everywhere you turn, there's somebody that is a part of the community that needs uh, rent money, that needs food, yeah. that needs clothing, that needs shelter, and people are crying because because uh, oh the the white people don't want our flag in the military. There's people still getting kicked out of their house. There's people still getting killed in America for coming out, and y'all are over here worried about a flag. The plot has been lost. This whole thing, I don't know if it needs a new name or what, but 
I, I don't I don't associate with that. I feel like at this point it's 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 beyond saving for me because the corporations have have gotten into it and it's just nasty now. I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all I got to say. So what, what do you think can be done? I mean, a uh, grassroots type situation. I'm sure they, there are trans youth in your community right now who are out on the street. I'm sure there are gay youth, there are lesbian youth, there are literally children who have been removed from their houses, who have been kicked out, who have been made to feel unloved, uncared for, all types of situations. Start with them. Build community with them and with older queer people, uh, elder queer people. There, I'm sure there are tons of queer elders who we just have not talked to or heard from that can give you give us pieces of information. But ultimately, you know, you have to build that community back, and you have to gain trust within each other in order for us to be able to make any type of substantial difference. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's a lot of because of the 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 diluting of everything, the individualism, everything. It's a lot of fractions in our community. It's a lot of distrust of people, and so I'm going out of my way personally to try to just build community with more uh, black queer people in this city. Yes, because the discrimination we go through is out of this world, and we literally are all we have. And nobody's finna save us, no group, no whatever. So just like with everything, you have to organize and you have to come together as a collective to protect each other and to get this stuff done. Now, as far as uh, the straight people that may be listening to this, uh, the communist people and anarchists in America have not always had the best relationship with the gay community because they thought it was bourgeoisie for for some reason. Literally. But now... Well, things have changed. So as far as you go, it's the same thing like we say with just the black community or minority communities in general. Monetary support is needed. People are literally like homeless or about to be homeless because of being who they are. So going on Twitter and donating to people's uh, GoFundMes, but also going out in the community and getting to know people and helping them... And, and and starting some type of camaraderie is the only way that, you know, we can get something it, done. It don't even have to be nothing crazy either. Like, Gabby and I, uh, like, we're, like, like Gabby said, we're trying our best to just, like, find other queer people in the city and just becoming their friend. Like, literally just being friends with them. But also, at the same time, how Gabby and I are, we're literally always trying to be, like, anti-capitalist and stuff. And putting those little pieces of information in their brain while being their friend, right? You can do that. You can literally be someone's friend as an anti-capitalist and talk about that with them and introduce them to that if they don't even understand it, they don't know anything about it, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, just got just have friends. Just become friends with other gays. Yeah, that's one way. Stop being a gay hermit like me. Go <laughs> go out and actually have some gay friends. Agreed. Well, guys, that's it. We oh, talked too long. Yeah, we talked too much. Well, <laughs> do y'all have anything else you want to add? What do you think about you know the current state of the LGBTQ plus community? 
Uh, what do you think can be done to to kind of get us back to the the, the 70s and that radicalness uh, that we need uh, to to help make this social change to help bring this revolution? So uh, let us know. Hit us up at Building Our PWR on all social media channels. Uh, and if you'd like to donate to the work we're doing, you can do so. Link is in the description. This has been Gabby and Katie, and this has been Building Our Power.